So I, I'm grateful for uh, my fellow leaders who are doing a great work. Um, I tell you, when I was 15 years old, I knew I was going nowhere. I knew that um, I was not going to live long. I was going to die probably as a teenager. Um, I had two attempts on my life. And then when I came to church, I heard a different message. And I realized, oh, my God, there's, there's something I was not aware of. And God loves me. And it was in the church that my whole mindset was shifted. And uh, if it were not for uh, those men and women, those fathers and mothers, those spiritual fathers and mothers that helped me and, and helped to shift my mind, I tell you, uh, the very friends that I was hanging out with later on were saying, where are you? Uh, you know, we don't see you anymore. I said, well, I'm in church now. I know you're there. You're there for the girls. You're there for the girls. I says, no, no, no. I, I'm born again. I mean, God really touched my heart. Some of them came with me. Others decided not to. And I don't know where they're at today. But that was the greatest moment of my life when I came to saving faith in Christ at age 15. If it were not for Christ, I don't know where I would I don't think I'd be alive today. I think it was... Uh, it was that moment that marked me, marked my future, my destiny. Praise God. So I give all glory, honor, and thanks, and praise to Almighty God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Yesterday, um, I was uh, over at a council meeting. They, they had me do a seminar of leadership. It was great to be there. There were various pastors there and, and representatives of, of that specific movement. And uh, I want to appreciate uh, Carmen and Tito. They came with me. and. Um, Carmen, uh, she helped to translate because they, they wanted to minister both in English and in Spanish. So thank you both for your availability, for being there, for serving with me. Appreciate that. Thank you. Um, it was interesting because I was talking to Tito and he was saying, it's good to get to other churches because you get to see the way other ministries work and, and some of the things that we do that maybe they don't do that um, uh, greatly benefit uh, as we serve other people. You know, even things like armor bearing, other ministries don't understand what that is. It, it, you know, sometimes you guys uh, might see somebody next to me or next to the preacher of the day and holding their water or something like that. That's called armor bearing. And uh, basically, we're just facilitating that ministry for the day. It's not that that person is better. We serve each other, right? Because just a couple of minutes, uh, I was helping you in your worship. What was I doing? I was serving you on, on the guitar, Right? I have no problem doing that, you know, and, and um, when uh, just last Wednesday, was it, last Thursday, we were in Queens, and I am um, uh, the regional director for Seismic Prayer uh, for our fellowship. Our fellowship is national and international. Uh, I, I am blown away by, by our fellowship. Uh, our, our bishop, Joe Matera, he pretty much, they've dragged this man into an international uh, relationship. He's constantly now flying uh, to South America, to Africa, to Europe, uh, and that's the fellowship we belong to. They, they gave him the responsibility to assume uh, the authority over uh, two major apostolic ministries in this nation that, that are known on TV, on radio. Uh, he's a regular uh, writer on, on Charisma magazine. I mean, it's amazing what, what we are involved with, and I'm just grateful. So last Thursday, I was... Uh, overseeing the prayer event and it was beautiful to be joined together with the men and women of God in that region but uh, it just blows blows me away uh, about that privilege and I was serving them see I, I was the one that made sure all the administrative things were put together all the pastors were called paperwork if uh, Bishop Joe needed some papers I went here you go can we have five more no problem here it is see because you know sometimes you you're the one that's in charge 
What do you do? You serve. Sometimes you're leading from the second chair. And that's a very important position. Because it's, it's, you might, your supervisor uh, might be younger than you, and you might know more than your supervisor, yet you have to serve with a person that's not as experienced as you are. That, it's called leading from the second chair. You go to that person and say, may I suggest, from my experience, we've done this and this and this, so let me give you this option, if I may, right? Because you know if you say, listen, you don't know what you're doing, man. I'm going to have to take over because you don't know what you're doing. That's not going to work because they're going to catch an attitude because they have the position. Isn't that true? But if you present it properly, even though you're more experienced, you have greater knowledge in that specific area, if you present it well, guess what happens? They get the credit. They do a great job, but they know you help them. So, and, and then the greater thing is you help the community that you serve with. See, if it's in the church, uh, you, you, you help your pastor. You help your departmental leader. If it's in your job, you help your supervisor that later on might have to recommend you for a promotion. And if you help them, guess what? They'll help you. And what happens if the supervisor doesn't like you? They want to put their own friend. You know what happens? Sometimes God shifts things. Because what you do to others, God will cause to happen to you. It doesn't say that what you do to others, they will do back for you. Many times you do something, and the person just kicks you to the curb. Anybody here ever experienced that? But you don't have to worry because when you sow as unto the Lord, when you minister to somebody, when you help somebody, even though they don't care, God cares. And Ephesians chapter 6, I think it's the third verse or something like that, it speaks that whatever you do, whatever kindness you do, God will cause it to happen to you. Amen? I love it. I love it. I appreciate that. Today I want to talk about an Old Testament situation that happened. Uh, it's, it's found in 2 Kings chapter 6 and chapter 7. I'm going to read two verses or three um, related verses, and then we'll get into the specific story. Elisha had to deal with a lot of, cra a lot of crazy things, prophet Elisha. But this was very difficult. It was a time of famine, a time of difficulty, a time where the city of Samaria had been besieged by an evil king. They had taken, stripped from that city everything, the food, the provision, the money, the finances, the clothing. And God's people were in dire straits. Um, parenthetically, in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse, verse 25, it said that siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver and a cup of dove's dung sold for five pieces of silver. That's how bad it was. There's just nothing there. And that, that happens in any, in any economy. You, you know you have the hurricane, right? It comes up. What happens? What, do, what does everybody do when they hear hurricanes coming? They start buying. They go into the supermarket. Everything's bare. And then, and then what happens is they hyperinflate the prices of whatever's left. It's just the way business is. It's nothing personal. It's business. It's personal to me. If I have to pay for a loaf of bread, $20, very personal to me. So that's what happened here. There was such a hyperinflation. Silver, um, it says 80 pieces of silver just for a donkey's head. That's not the type of cuisine that I enjoy eating. <laughs> but silver, are you aware that an ounce of silver is worth $17 and 47, uh, 47 cents at current prices? You do the math right now. 80 times 17.47. You that have uh, iPhones. 80 times 17.47. How much is that? <coughs> Eighty times seventeen forty-seven. That much? 
1,000, so, wow, so that was hyperinflation, uh, you, you think? It was an iPhone, what was, what do you have? For all you Android users, uh, I, you know, I meant I, uh, generically, generically. Those, uh, those of you that have, see, see the power of branding? I, I actually went into the power of branding without even realizing, it's true, we, I don't eat hamburger anymore, we eat McDonald's. Right, it's branding, it's all to do with branding. So no, you're, you're right, it doesn't have to be an iPhone. I'm sorry, sir. Android. And one silver eagle right now, a little coin, silver eagle coin is worth $53. So 80 pieces of silver for a, a, a donkey's head and five pieces of silver for dung. Do you know what dung is? It's poo. Why in the world would I pay five pieces of silver for poo? So that's what these people were forced to eat? Huh? It was fuel and, and other things. I mean, I, that's, it's scary to get to that point. Mostly fuel, the same, all right. Do you know that there's a coffee bean? Oh, some of you know that? There's a coffee bean that is found in the dung of animals. I think, what, elephants, is it? Goats? Okay. So they sift through the dung, they find the coffee bean, and it has aroma to it. <laughs> but apparently, this is a very fancy coffee. All right, so dung has its applications. It's also a great fertilizer. But I don't think the people were worried about fertil fertilizing it th those days. It might have been, like you said, for heating, but, but why would I pay so much money for that? It's, that's the situation that they found themselves in. So let, let's open the scripture, and let's go to 2 Kings chapter 7. I'm going to read verse 1 and verse 2. My theme today is get up and move on. Or, as an alternate, get over it. <laughs> get up and move on. So, Elisha's, uh, let me see, Second Kings chapter 7. So, Elisha is um, speaking a word. He's prophesying. Elisha replied, listen to this message from the Lord. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow, in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver. And 12 quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. So there was going to be a shift according to the word of the Lord. And the second verse, the officer that was assisting the king said to the man of God, listen, this couldn't happen even if the Lord opened up the windows of heaven. So he, was, uh, he made a statement there. I don't think he thought, thought it through very well. You, you don't come against a man of God like that. And he did. He, he challenged the, the word, the veracity of the word. Um, he basically criticized it. How could this possibly happen? God would have to open up the windows of heaven. And Elisha replied, you'll see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat of any of it. So the power of unbelief is amazing. It can strip you from your future quicker than anything else. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word. Dear Holy Spirit, I pray that you teach us today, that you reveal your heart to us, reveal times and seasons. I pray that you encourage us today by your word. We'll give you the glory for it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, amen. and amen. Praise God. So the prophet Elijah brings the word of the Lord, and this is what I wanted to start with. You want to shift in your life, bring the word of the Lord into your life. You want, a word, you want, you want to shift, bring the word. You, you memorize some scriptures and bring them into your situation. The word is living and sharp. The, the, living, the word of God is alive. It's vibrant. It, it carries life with it. The word of God can shift your situation in a heartbeat. 
And, and Elisha knew that, and God had told him, speak this word. One thing about Elisha, Elisha didn't speak out of his own mind. He would always speak as thus saith the Lord. When God told him something, you know, he would speak. And God told him to speak a word. And this is powerful because why doesn't God just speak it himself? Why does he have a man speak it in the earth realm? You know I tell you this often, but there's always somebody that's hearing it for the first time. The reason why God speaks to us to speak his word in this in this realm is because we're the ones that are in charge. We are the ones that are in charge in this earth realm. God created us. He put us in this earth realm and says, you are in charge. You're my steward in the earth realm. So anything that happens in this earth realm is our responsibility. We're the ones that have to catch God's will and speak it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Who told us to pray that way? Jesus himself. Thy kingdom come Thy will be done on earth as it's done in heaven, right? The Amplified says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it's already being done in heaven. In other words, we catch a glimpse of what's happening in the heavenlies, the will of God in the heavenlies, and we bring it forth. We speak it forth in this earthly realm. This is why it's important to know the word of God. Because we're always speaking. Problem is, we're speaking death. We're always speaking, but we're speaking confusion. We're always speaking, but we're speaking repeating Como papagayos. You know what a papagayos is? It's a parrot that's just repeating something that they heard from something else. Problem is you don't understand that there's death and life in the power of the tongue. You don't understand that when you're speaking, you as a man, as a woman, as a representative of Almighty God, you're either sharing life or you're sharing death in your setting. And you're not even aware of it. All day long, you're, you're, you're speaking life. You're moving in the spirit realm, authority and power. And you're speaking things over your children. You're speaking things over your situation. You're speaking things over your job. You're speaking things over your future. It's time to put a cap in your mouth until you're ready to speak with wisdom, understanding, and grace and love. Hallelujah. So... So the man of God speaks a word, and that's what gets everything rolling. See, that's what gets ro everything rolling. So he speaks. He says, tomorrow there's going to be a shift. And today there's hyperinflation, but tomorrow there's going to be plenty. And you can tell immediately how humans respond. You have one guy, he speaks out of his mouth without thinking, and he says, how could that be? You'd have to have God open up the windows of heaven for that. In his situation, he looked around his current state. He could not get into a place of faith. And I would say that the reason why he couldn't get into a place of faith is that all that he heard around him was negative. All that he saw was negative. He only saw defeat. He only saw failure. His friends and them, and they talked to each other. Man, we're in trouble now. Uh, what can we take from somebody? What, what can we snatch from somebody to be able to live? To have, you know, many times uh, when a region is besieged, the first criminals are the people in the government, the police officers, uh, the ones that are receiving the stuff. They take, by the time it gets to the people, the indigenous folk in a region, any help that comes from the world, by the time it gets there there's only a small amount left why because everybody got in there and this officer probably was looking only from that perspective <coughs> he could not see from the perspective of faith therefore that's all he had to give and the problem is if all you're speaking is death and confusion if all you're speaking is fear that means you don't have the word of god in you that means you're filled up with tv you're, you're filled up with what your friends are saying you're hanging around with the wrong crowd it's time to shift it's time that you start hanging around men and women of god people that are going to help you to reorient your thinking your vision your perspective your horizon and allow you to see the way god sees in your situation hallelujah and so this man you know uh, he he could not address uh, a man of faith 
He criticized the man of faith. But the man of faith says tomorrow there's going to be a shift here. And th you need to understand who you are. You are a man of God. You are a woman of God. You have the power to change atmosphere. You have the power to change environments. And because of that, and because of that, the enemy will come against you to try to take that away from you, to try to snatch it from your hand, to try to snatch it from your mind, to try to snatch it from your heart. He'll come at you, I mean, with all that he has. Because if you ever knew who you were, you know, if you only knew what the authority that you're carrying, if you only knew whose ambassador you are, if you only knew whose kingdom you belong to, if you ever knew who you are as a child of God, as a son of God, as a daughter of the almighty God, as a handmaiden of the Lord, as a, as a servant of the Lord, if you only knew the authority and the power and the grace that you carry, And this is the thing. When you come to faith, when you start understanding the word of God, you start receiving it, and you start eating it, and you start uh, assimilating it, people start talking to you, and then when you see it, you go, that's not right. I see something different. You see? And I've experienced that over and over in my life. I remember when I first caught a vision of me doing better for myself. All I had seen is what my father did, what my uncle did, what my, what my friends did. And, and they worked at a certain level. And this was their economy. And because of that, they were always in a very difficult position. But then some, uh, somebody showed me something different. And I went, well, I, I choose this over that. And when I chose that, I said, well, I'm going to start studying. I'm going to become better. I'm going to make myself better because I want to do this. The first ones that come against me were my own family. Now, they didn't come against me and saying, oh, you can't do that. They came in, in, the, in the name of concern. You know why? Since they didn't have that revelation, they were concerned for me because I might fail. And here's the problem. If you listen to people like that, you'll never attempt anything big in your life. And my God is a big God. My God takes mountains. My God is the owner of all the gold and all the silver. There is no famine in heaven. There is no fear in heaven. There is no worry or concern or in heaven. There is power in heaven. And as far as I know, in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they were all in one accord and they were praying and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they started speaking in tongues and then they started healing folk. They started also doing what Jesus was doing before that. If I remember correctly, the Bible says that we'll do greater things that Jesus did. Because Jesus could only be in one place at one time in his earthly ministry. But once he releases the Holy Spirit to the body, now the body could be healing somebody in Canada and somebody in the United States and somebody in South America and somebody in Africa and somebody in Europe and somebody in Tanzania. I don't know. It, it doesn't make a difference to me. The Holy Spirit is in all places at the same time. Why? Because the body is in all places at all times. So we're doing greater things. Glory to God. And this is, we need to understand who we are. See, the prophet didn't come there uh, worried or concerned. There was famine. It was horrible. I mean, it was so bad that two ladies were battling to see who's going to eat their babies first. This is how bad it was. You read the scriptures yourself. And so one day they eat one of the babies. And then the next day, the mother got offended because the, the other lady took her baby and hid. So she ran right to the king. Go get that lady, uh, king, because, you know, we made a deal here. Come on, that, once you're talking that way, you know that things aren't normal. This thing was a serious, serious situation. But here comes the prophet and speaks a word to a situation that looked like death. A situation where there was no hope. A situation of despair. And guess what? God is calling us in this year to be the people that become the change agents. God is calling us to be the people that speak life where there's death. 
To speak hope where there's hopelessness. Speak faith where there is no faith. To speak a boldness where there is fear. Hallelujah. So he said there's going to be a shift. There's going to be a shift. Say with me there's going to be a shift. This year has been prophesied by all the major prophets that this is the year of the open doors, the, the year of opportunities. And Paul even said it. Listen, they, they have a great door of opportunity, but I have many adversaries. See, so wherever you're going to have opportunities, you're always going to have adversaries. Say to your neighbor, you're going to have adversaries. See, so we need to work through that. We need to understand and battle our specific adversaries. Each adversary manifests itself in different ways. I don't know what your adversary is. I know I have mine. And I'm dealing with those issues right now. And the thing is, there's wisdom for me, but there's also wisdom for you. Amen. And we really need it. This year is the year of either great famine or great provision. Because both of them are, are operating in this earth realm right now. There, there is, there is a, an enemy, there's a destroyer that's coming to try to take what we have, to try to take what is ours, try to destroy our ministry, try to destroy our legacy, try to destroy our future. But God said we have a great opportunity. And guess what? Greater is he that is in, he, in me than he that is in the world. So I'm not worried. I'm not worried. For everything the enemy takes from me, he's got to give it back to me with interest. Hallelujah. He's got to give it back. He's got to give it back. He's got to give it back. Hallelujah. So these men, uh, they heard that, and, and the whole community hears that. But at the same time, while he's releasing the word, now God moves upon four men that are right at the gate. Remember I told you this is the year of the open gate, the year of the open door. And there were four men at the door. The problem was they were leprous. And they had to be uh, outside of the gate because since they were leprous, they were not able to be with the greater community. Because the leprous people, they were outcasts. And these men are there. They're ready to die. I mean, they're in the midst of famine. And they have none to do it. And then they, sit there, they looked at each other and said, why sit we here and die? Why, why should we sit here? I mean, if we go back into this thing, into, into, our, into our situation, uh, we're going to die. There's no food here. If we stay sitting here, we're going to die. So let's move on. Let's go uh, look for something. Let's, let's, let's actually give up to the uh, opposing army. They might give us a break. They might give us food. Or either that or we're going to die anyway. So these men, uh, they were moved by God. They didn't even know it. They were stirred by God to get up. And today God is stirring you and saying, get up. You've got to get up. Because where, where you're sitting, you're going to die. Your, your ministry is going to die. Your, your, your future is going to die. You're not doing anything. God's saying, get up. Stir yourself up. This is a new season. It's a season of movement. It's not a season of inactivity. Nothing's going to happen in inactivity. I guarantee that. The only thing that's going to happen is when we get up and we trust God and we start moving with God. Moving with his word. Moving with his, his provision. Moving with his wisdom. So they get up and they, they start going to the camp. When they get to the camp in twilight, what they didn't realize is God's moving everything. See, we don't know how God operates. At the same time that God moves upon these four leprous men, they have no allegiances, they have no worries, no family, so they're free. And, and you know, I love the fact that God used them. Why didn't God use the king? Why didn't God use uh, the governor? Why didn't God use that, that other guy, the one that was criticizing? He used men that were useless according to society. I want to tell you, don't you ever let anybody tell you that you're useless. Because the Bible says God loves sometimes even using the simple folk. And by that, the simple folk is the ones that are not rich and famous, uh, that have a, a name, a fame about them. God loves using them to stir up the ones that have all the fame and the knowledge, to realize I use whoever I want to. 
I work with whoever I want to. And today God says, I choose to work with you. Tell your neighbor, God's working with you. Because God's going to work through you. Amen. Hallelujah. So at the same time, you have these four men walking to a camp of the enemy, a, a big camp. They had besieged all of Samaria. They had a lot of money, a lot of provision, and they had their tents set up. And when they get there, guess what? Nobody was there. So the only thing that was there are the tents full of gold and silver, clothing, provision, food. I mean, lots of it. And when they get there, it's everybody. God, when the prophet spoke, God spoke from heaven. And this is what most people don't understand. When you, as his representative, you speak in the earth realm, God also speaks from heaven. And God speaks to your enemy. And God speaks to your situation. And God speaks to the angels and releases them to do things that you and I cannot do. Yet you need to understand this about God. That we as representatives don't do all the doing. He's the one that does all the doing. Remember when Jesus says, I work and my father works? Yes, God is working. The father is working behind the scenes. The angels are working behind the scenes. When we decide to speak a word, God moved these four men. But also, God literally created an atmosphere in the enemy's camp where they started hearing of hordes of enemies coming against them, nations coming against them. And they started saying to themselves, Israel must have hired uh, our opposing enemies. And they've all, they're all coming at us now. We're not ready. And they all fled. And they left all the gold. And they left all the silver. And they left all the clothing. And they left all the provision, all the food. They left it there. So th what I'm saying to you is what you need to do is you need to trust God. Amen. What you need to do is dig in to what God is saying. Because there's a different strategy for every situation. This was unique. It was a very difficult situation. And when they got there, nobody was there. What was it that Israel needed at that moment? All, it was, all that was there. The gold and the silver and the food and the clothing. Those were the very people that had taken it from Israel. So in essence, they were able to walk right back and bring that problem is they didn't know anything about it. And this is what happens. Many times God promises you something and you're not seeing it. You don't understand. What's the strategy? I don't see it. The thing with us, we like to be in control of everything. The thing of us, we, we want to know everything. God, how are you going to do this? What's step one and what's step two and what's step three? Sometimes God won't show you step one until you decide to trust him. And then he won't show you step two until you work with him on step one. Didn't Jesus say, pray this way? Give us this day our daily bread. Sometimes God will just give you enough for the day. Enough wisdom, understanding, provision, strategy, just for the day. Then we have to pray the next day, Lord, give me this day, my daily bread. Then he'll give you the next step. Sometimes he won't give you the whole picture. Sometimes he does, but sometimes he won't. Because it's a journey. He wants a journey with you each and every day. There is provision, there's wisdom, there's understanding. So when they get there, they went from tent to tent, taking gold and hiding it and sitting down and eating. It says they were drinking and eating. Four leprous men dying of hunger, and now suddenly there's such a, uh, an amazing amount of food, right? It reminds me of me. When, when I first learned how to fast, I didn't learn very well. <laughs> so me and my friend, we started fasting, and we fasted three days. And, you know, let me tell you, for, for a young man, 15 years old, to fast three days, that's not easy. 
but we did it. So what we did is in the first day, I stayed home mostly because, you know, we got school Friday and then Saturday, we, we were so hungry, we went walking through Broadway because I used to live on 108th Street. So we went all the way to Broadway where we knew all the restaurants were. And we would go from restaurant to restaurant and look in the window and see people eating. We were like, oh. I mean, what a way to fast, right? I was, I was a teenager, so, you know. So we suffered. I mean, it was, I was suffering. And then Sunday morning before church, we, we gave up the fast. And so what we did is we had stored in our, in our, in our cubicles, in our home, uh, you know, some pasteles. You know what pasteles is? It's like a patty, a meat patty. Wow. Spanish meat, but you had pasteles there. And we had other things, but heavy with grease and all that. We just started feasting. So it reminds me of these four leprous men. They were feasting, right? And I'm eating, I'm eating. Suddenly I got such a pain in my stomach. I rolled up in a fetal ball and I couldn't go in the morning church. I had to go to the evening service. But by the evening service, we got there. And I remember, man, we got up, we testified. And the power of God hit that church. I mean, I couldn't believe it, how God moved with these two teenagers. It's amazing. But, you know, I, I really didn't know how to fast. You know, you, if you're going to do a fast, you have to be careful. And when you, when you start eating again, eat like a little soup, a little broth, and break yourself, break your stomach into it again. But I didn't care. You know, I just wanted my pasteles. You know? <laughs> I was so hungry. Oh, man. I, I couldn't understand why these people wanted to eat, eat a donkey's head. You, you get hungry, you eat anything. But um, these men, they got there, they, and then after a while they realized, yes, what we're doing is not right. Our brothers and sisters in Samaria, they don't have anything. This should be shared. So they went back, and they shared it uh, with the people at the gate. They couldn't go inside. So listen, there's a lot of food over there. And so I love it because even though you might not have the answer, somebody else has the answer for you. Even though you don't have the answer, you have a friend next to you, or maybe a boss, a supervisor, a family member, might be me sharing this message with you, maybe an elder, a deacon, whoever it might be, but there is a word that God's going to get over to you, strategy, wisdom, understanding. And so they went back, they gave that situation. Of course, the king was concerned. He thought it was tra- he was a trap. He thought it was a trap. He thought that the, the enemy uh, put that there, planted it there, so that they would all leave the city. And so when they leave the city, then the enemy will come and take over the city. But the truth of the matter is nobody was there. So by the time, he, he says, send a couple of people to look to see if it's true. They went, and in truth, there was. So all night long, they went and brought back the gold, brought back the silver, right? And the funny thing is, not funny, no, ironic, is that the king put that guy, the governor or the, his, his assistant, the one that had criticized the prophet, he put him to stand by the door, by the gate and oversee the process. But so many people were running to go get the provision that they trampled them. And they killed them. (laughs) So he actually saw the provision coming back and he got trampled by all the provision. (laughs) Hmm? Uh, You you can't. You you can't talk against God. Sooner or later, that's going to come back. So the first thing was that there was a word. Who brought the word? Well, who's going to bring the word in your situation? Who's going to stand for God in your situation? Who's going to stand for God in your family? Who's going to stand for God in your, in your workplace? Who's going to stand for God in this community? Who's, who's going to be the one standing for God where you live? You be that person. God is calling you to stand up and speak that word because nothing happens until someone speaks the word. And then number two, there has to be action. You see, some people are waiting for the perfect moment. They're preparing everything, preparing. Listen, let me tell you something. It's good to prepare. I agree. You should prepare. 
but lack of action will stop all of your preparation. Amen. You could prepare till kingdom come and nothing will happen until somebody takes action. And right now in your life, God is speaking to you, giving you direction. I don't know what it is specifically because each and every situation is different. But you have to. The Bible says faith has, faith has, there you go. Who said that? You get the prize. <laughs> faith has works. In other words, corresponding with your faith is an action that you will take to agree, to come into agreement with that faith and make the answer come forth. In other words, God is calling us to stand up and get into movement, into action. You know, too many Christians today, they want God's blessing, but they don't want the responsibility of walking out the faith in order to see the answer. So the second thing is, is we have to have a corresponding action to our faith. And then the next thing, we have to be ready to hear. Because they heard, when the king heard these men come back, listen, there's provision over here. Remember when we were ready to uh, buy our building? We were ready. We took action. What was the action? We started saving, putting a little, you know, our, our change together. That became dollars. It became, uh, you know, 1,000, 10,000, 20,000, 50,000. And then we had the money ready to buy. And then I had a stirring in my spirit. And I told the congregation, I said, let's start looking. If you hear anybody uh, that knows about a church, brethren, open up your eyes. I think that we're getting close to receiving our building. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. And, and, and uh, Sister Jeanette came back and called me that week, and she says, listen, I have a friend. She's a real estate agent. And she says a church is coming up, uh, uh, it's going to come to sale in three days. I said, well, let's jump on that. See, our faith became reality because we moved in action. See, vision without action is just a pipe dream. If God gives you a vision to be a teacher, you'll never become a teacher unless you go to school. If God's calling you to be a preacher, how are you going to be a preacher if you don't study the word? Right? If God calls you to open up your business, if you don't know anything about business, where do you need to go? What do you need to do? There has to be a corresponding action to your faith. So what happens? We met with the bishop who owned this building, and, uh, you know, I prayed. And I said, God, give me favor with this man. I shook his hand and said, we're the ones that are going to take this church off your hands. He said, well, you have to. No, no, we're the ones. Don't worry about it. We're the ones. We, 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 we have everything, you, and we need to be here. And we're already in the area. We're already... Uh, acclimated to this region we have a beautiful congregation that's going to take this building off your hands and he agreed and the rest is history and today we are owners here but it took faith and I don't know if you remember I would actually stand here not here but in the other place I says you know every once in a while I go into the new building it's so beautiful the paint the place it looks so gorgeous and remember I used to say that we didn't have a building I was speaking in faith. I was speaking with the authority of a man of God, speaking things that are not as though they were. Hallelujah. And, and that's what we need. We need to hear the strategy. These men came and spoke to the king, and here's the strategy. Go over there because that's where the provision is. I don't know where your provision is, but God does. And the Spirit of God will give you wisdom and understanding. And, and, and another thing is that what blows me away is that here we have a people that were almost dying. They didn't have any energy. But as soon as they heard where the provision was, everybody had enough energy to go to the place and go get back their stuff. 
And God speaks into the womb of your energy, to the womb of your strength, to the womb of your passion. Because some of you are depleted. Some of you need a word of the Lord to rise up within you. And the, 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 the energy that's inside of you needs to be released in this day. See, electricians know that a capacitor is, is made, is created to be able to store energy until it's needed. And then it releases it when the circuit asks for it. And God is saying to his people today, I have placed in you an energy that you do not understand or know. But now I'm tapping into that energy that is within you that I placed in there. And I am speaking life now, and I'm putting a command. Come on, somebody. I'm putting a command upon that energy within you that was placed in there by the Holy Ghost. And now it's going to come forth. And you who thought that you had no hope, no desire, you didn't, you, it's almost like you, you don't want to do anything anymore. God is saying, this is not the time to sit down, Elijah, by the tree. This is time to get moving to the next phase of what I've called you to do. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Because this is a season where God is tapping into the reserves. He is tapping into uh, those that have been standing, those that have fought the fight, those that have been leaving God, those that have been saying, yes, Lord, those that have been going through the battle, those that have been standing and believing. This is the season that God's going to turn it around for you. Hallelujah. This is the season that God is going to do something. He says, listen to my word because a season is coming where I'm going to shift. Say shift. Yeah. Say shift. Yeah. God is shifting. Hallelujah. He's shifting your situation. He's shifting you. Glory to God. He's shifting you into action. He's shifting you. He's giving you wisdom. He's giving you understanding. He's giving you favor. He's going to turn this thing around. Amen. Come on. Let's dance like this little one over here. Let's praise God like this little one over here. Hallelujah. She gets it. She gets it. Somebody else in the room gets it. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So, the end result was that they were restored. They were restored. And they, they were restored in, a, in such an amazing way. God has an infinite way of getting resource to you, of getting his wisdom to you. He has an infinite way of shifting you. I don't know how it works, how he does it, but I don't have to know. He's God and I am not. But I'm here to encourage you today. I'm here to let you know what the Lord is saying to you today. Today is a day where God's going to start shifting things. Say with me, shift. shift. You need to believe that. You need to know that. You need to understand that. God is a God that loves to wait sometimes to an impossible moment to then, bam, bring the answer. Bring the wisdom. Just, ah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Are you ready for your shift? Are you ready for your answer? Are you ready for that direction? Are you ready for those angels to move on your behalf? On your behalf? Glory to God. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm, I'm not going to wait. I'm, why sit you here and die? Get up and move. Or the, what did I say before? What was the alternate definition? Get over it and move forward. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Bow your heads with me. Bow your heads with me a moment. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing in this place. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives, my God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for who you are in our lives. Thank you that we can trust you, my Lord. 
Thank you, Father, that even though we look at current circumstances, that does not dictate my future because I understand that you can shift things, my God. Thank you that as people of faith, as your ambassadors, Lord God, we are agents of change. Father, we are agents of change. So, Lord, I thank you for the word of the Lord in our mouth that we could speak it to situations, my God, circumstances, problems, issues. Thank you, Father, because you're doing that for us and you're doing that in us and you're doing that through us. So we give you the glory for it. Bless your people now, my God, with amazing grace, with amazing peace, with amazing joy. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up in the presence of God. Say, 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 Lord, I receive your grace. I receive your peace. Hallelujah. I receive your wisdom. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. Come on, give, some, give him praise. Somebody give him praise. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I celebrate that this young man came to saving faith in Christ. I really do. Uh, you know, the, God gave me that privilege at age 15. Uh, I received the Lord, and it's, he's only been good to me. So if you need to make that prayer today, at the end of the service, when I close the service, make sure that you come here to the front to the altar, and someone will pray with you. Praise God. What are you ready to do this week, huh? See, we're shift. We're going to look at the opportunities. We're listening. We're listening. Samuel listened, and, and as, as he was sleeping, a voice would keep on telling him something. And he'd go to his high priest. And the high priest would say, I didn't tell you anything. And he'd go back to sleep. And he would hear his name again called. Who is that? He would go to the high priest. Interesting. He went to Eli three, uh, two times. Sometimes the voice of the Lord would sound, would sound like your pastor. Sometimes the voice of the Lord might, might sound like your minister. See, the voice of the Lord sounded to Samuel like Eli. That's how come he kept on going to Eli. What do you want? But the third time, Eli had told him, next time you hear the voice, come here I am, Lord. So Eli knew. He was able to instruct him. And this is what happens. We as, as people of God need to be submissive. We, we need to, really, we need to submit to one another. We're too prideful. We don't like hearing it from anybody. We don't like to take advice from anybody. But when you take advice, you take wisdom, you take mentorship, you get your answer. Because sometimes your answer is contained in somebody else. Praise God. So there, there are words that are coming forth in this season. Grab your word. Grab your word of the Lord. And don't let anybody take it from you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 